I'm October Weeks, paranormal horror dark fantasy author. I also write paranormal romance under the name Libby Bishop. Welcome to Haunted October's Paranormal Podcast. Grab your favorite drink, cozy up around the campfire, and enjoy the show. Before we discuss anything, I have got to give you guys who have been buying salt and iron on Kobu a huge, like a humongous thank you because it's a bestseller. You guys blew me away. <laughs> I have never, ever ranked that high with my books before. And I went and I was checking my rankings, which I don't do that often, but I did it the other day because it had been about like a week since I had checked it. And I went, to, <laughs> I went to Kobu and oh my God. Oh, you guys are the best readers ever i hope you are loving the book um i again i can't even i don't have the words to thank you is not enough for giving me that surprise the other day um so thank you thank you thank you thank you so much i love you guys <laughs> really really i yeah you can tell i just <laughs> i don't even have the proper words but thank you thank you so much for um, buying Salt and Iron, and I am working hard on the second book. Um, I am, oh, about a quarter of the way into it, but it's writing really fast, so um, hopefully I'll have that done by the middle of August and submit it into my publisher, and uh, which would be awesome because it gets, you, gets book two into your guys' hands quicker. Um, so now that my excitement over that is <laughs> properly gushed out, uh, tonight we're going to be talking about lake monsters. <laughs> uh, Vermont has its very own lake monster. We have Champ, and he is protected, by the way. <laughs> um, no one can hurt Champ. Um, is actually, it is, it, that is a law on both the New York and the Vermont side of the lake. Um, so just to give you a little idea of how big our lake is, Champlain is about um, 120 miles from north to south, and then I, I believe it's about 12 miles at its widest point. It's, on average, it's about 64 feet deep, but the longest, the biggest depth that um, in the lake is 400 feet and we have plenty of food in there there is plenty of fish and other critters in that lake to keep a lake monster fed um, and we are connected to um, the St. Lawrence Seaway as well so we have that as well and just as a little add-on <laughs> uh, the bottom of the lake there's 300 known shipwrecks at the bottom of Lake Champlain um, so that was just a little tidbit of <laughs> fact. Um, anywho, so <laughs> Champ, the first sightings, they're logged in all the way back to um, the 1800s. The sightings of Champ uh, go all the way back. Um, the Abenaki, the indigenous Abenaki people, um, they have their own legends of mysterious creatures roaming Lake Champlain before um, the arrival of Samuel D. Champlain, who the lake is named after. And he is still being seen today. Um, it's worthy to note 
that there has been echolocation picked up in that lake from something that no one knows what it is, what it, that it's that echo is coming from, but it is not native. It is not a native being to the lake. And in, I think it was last year, uh, someone has claimed, you know, to get a sonar image of champs. So the search is still on. A lot of people still have sightings and I personally have never seen him, but I, I do always look because <laughs> of course I do because I'm me. Um, but I do believe that there's something in there and I would not be surprised if we did have a lake monster in Lake Champlain. He is a champ is not our only lake monster in Vermont. We have Memphis, who dwells in the northern lake of Lake Memphis Magog, which is along the Vermont Canadian border. It's about it's it's a glacial lake. It stretches for about 31 miles with um, and I think the average depth is about 51 feet, but the deepest point is 351 feet. Um, so it is much smaller than Lake Champlain. And like Champlain, like Lake Champlain, um, there's been well over 100 years of sightings uh, of Memphis. The natives in that region, um, a few hundred years ago, there's a lot of fish in that lake as well. A lot of fishing game is in the lake. Uh, the natives, however, would not go in the lake. And when, as European, uh, as European settlers started to come over and move into the area, so the lake, um, just to back up for a minute, is between Magog, uh, Canada, and Newport, Vermont. So um, the natives in that region told when Europeans began to settle there, um, they told them that they did not swim or bathe in the lake because they believe that there was a sea serpent that lived there. Um, and there is actually, and this is actually, this is also cool. <laughs> there is a Viking petroglyph depicting a sea serpent um, on a nearby mountain. One of the first reports uh, goes all the way back to around 1815, 1816. And there have been hundreds of people who have gone on record as in they have come out into the public um, and told their stories about seeing this lake monster, much like uh, they people do with chants, and um, all saying that they have seen some sort of uh, creature, you know, lake monster, or you know, um, in the lake. And the most common sightings in Magog are actually. Um, at night because the water when the water is really still and like champ um memphis is described like to have like a horse head with a large body and um like a well a horse-shaped head uh memphis is was given that name by a canadian man and He's responsible, who was responsible for the discovery of a new field of cryptozoology called, and I'm probably gonna mispronounce that and I highly apologize for it, uh, Dracontology, 
So, and of course, cryptozoology is what most people would call a pseudoscience because it's aimed at proving the existence of folktale creatures or creatures of myth, you know, creatures of myth and legends like Bigfoot and lake monsters and um, so creatures like that of things, you know, the Jersey Devil, anything. And you'll, a lot of people will call that, um, you know, cryptids. So, <laughs> um, I am in a really good mood right now because <laughs> the book is doing so well. So I have to stop and like pace myself because not only do I love this subject, but I am also very happy that my book is doing well. So there's a lot of excitement right now. <laughs> so back to Memphis. Um, it is this lake monster. Um, uh, both sides of the lake, both the Canadian and the Vermont side, embraced this lake monster, um, much like New York and Vermont side of um, Lake Champlain did. And like Lake Champlain, I I do personally believe that there probably is something that we have not seen in that lake yet, um, which is cool. So because Vermont, I love. I absolutely love that Vermont has two lake monsters. <laughs> I think that just think that's freaking awesome. Um, but of course, all over the United States and the world. But I think there's one, there's at least one lake monster legend in every single state in the US. Um, and several states have more than one lake monster. You know, this was gonna be all about lake monsters. But I, <laughs> I gotta talk about cryptids in general. I am a big, if you've listened to my podcast, you already, um, or kept up with like my social media, you'll know that I am a huge believer in cryptids. And I have absolutely, as you will probably know, I have no problem expressing my belief in that. Um, and I'm, I'm not, ashamed or afraid to admit that I believe in cryptids just like I'm uh, not afraid to say that I believe in ghosts and I've had and or um, talk about my experience with ghosts and darker things <laughs> which we won't get into in this podcast but since we are talking about Vermont um, we have some interesting cryptid myths and legends um, some aren't, would probably wouldn't be classified as cryptids, but um, we have the Northfield Pigman, and which started as a bell, oh God, it was in the 1950s. And the story goes that a, so a teenager named Sam left home, um, on Halloween in the 50s and he went out to you know have some Halloween fun uh, you know bringing with him toilet paper eggs all that good stuff and um, the legend is that he gave himself um, to the devil devouring you know raw entrails of pig and yes I know that's kind of gross <laughs> um, 
and he wore the head over his own, the pig head over his own head. And um, not long after that, unexplained animal deaths were blamed on a pig man, and the story goes on to say that Sam came home to his mom's house three years later and left disemboweled organs of a pig on the family porch before squealing like a pig himself, um, and then he ran off. There is a slightly, slightly less um, gory, um, uh, how do I want to say that, story. <laughs> and that is um, that the pig man ate Sam. So instead of Sam becoming the pig man. Not less disturbing, but still a little less on the gory side. <laughs> um, and ever since then, there have been sightings of the pigman in Northfield from, you know, kids to farmers and all of that. Um, and then we have something called the awful. <laughs> You guys really need to look up for mo monsters, myths, and lores and legends, because <laughs> that's pretty awesome. Um, it's a griffin-like uh, creature that was first seen in the early 1900s in a town up by the Canadian border. Uh, it was a couple of men saw a beast glaring at them from a rooftop, um, and it. And I'm quoting this. Um, it had like gray skin, a long serpent-like tail, and a 20-foot wingspan with huge claws. The sightings for the awful actually stopped um, in the early 1900s, and then they picked up again in the early 2000s. We also have our own Bigfoot. <laughs> um, down, and you guys have heard me talk about this in a previous podcast, but down in the Bennington Triangle, down uh, in southern Vermont. Uh, it's called the Bennington Monster, um, but it's described like a Bigfoot. Uh, down there, actually, which is also known for the disappearance, as I talked about um, a few podcasts ago, but the Bennington Triangle actually has a lot of legends. Um, Glastonbury Mountain is full of UFO sightings, Bigfoot sightings, um, strange sounds, strange lights, um, and of course, um, the disappearances that I've talked about in another the other podcast. Um, Native Americans, the Algonquin legend um, for that area warned of a, um, a what's kind of like a man-eating rock. It's a malevolent stone that opens up and devours anyone unlucky enough to step on it. So there are a lot of legends um, in that area on the mountain um, for cryptids, monsters, ghosts. Um, it also, and I know I touched on it before, but that there's like a, almost like a portal almost to another dimension, some people say as well. Uh, so that you know you walk through but you can't whoever walks through that portal cannot get back they go into some sort of um, parallel universe uh, 
Uh, I do believe in parallel universes. I'll go on record on saying that too. <laughs> but that's one of the other legends from that area. Um, I know that I said <laughs> that I wasn't going to chance Glastonbury Mountain. However, I was talking to one of my friends um, who I have a lot of ghost experiences with, and we decided that we'd go down and do some hiking. So there at the, um, well, it's not really a ghost town. Technically, it was on Incorporated. Um, uh, there's still, like, I think six residents in Glastonbury, Vermont. Six, five or six. Um, but it's basically, there's parts of it that you can see. You can see the ghost town of it, um, old foundations, all of that. And, of course, there's the legend about you know, all the surrounding the disappearances. And I know that I said, but I wasn't going to do it. But the two of us are going to go. And of course, so our sensitivity is amped up when we're around each other. So if we feel anything at all, like we should not go somewhere, or if like the wildlife gets really quiet, we will be leaving. <laughs> but we're feeling the adventurous spirit, so we're gonna go ahead and uh, go hiking down on Glastonbury Mountain next weekend. So probably, if I do a special podcast during the week, like on a Wednesday, um, maybe you'll get an early one, I'm not sure yet. But otherwise you might get the podcast on Sunday instead of Saturday because it'll give me time to um, you know, get back from the drive. It's about two and a half hours from where I live, um, or just a little under two and a half hours from where I live currently. So by the time we get done hiking and we get back home, I'm probably not gonna be in the mood to, <laughs> to record a podcast. Uh, so you might get it a day later, but I will definitely uh, do a little podcast and let you guys know how that hike went. Uh, I'm very interested to see the kind of things we feel, um, see, you know, all that stuff. So I'm actually a little excited to do it, but well, I'm hesitant just because of all the experiences me and this friend have had. But I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm a little excited about this hike and I probably shouldn't be as excited as I am. <laughs> But I'm still not going to the Green Mountain Cemetery and sitting on Black Agnes's lap. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not tempting that fate, no. <laughs> so that was, um, I should say, that's a little lake monster history and cryptid history of Vermont, which was originally supposed to be about lake monsters, but this is how things go. <laughs> Thank you guys again so much for buying Salt and Iron and making it a bestseller. I am humbled. I am beyond appreciative of you guys going out and buying the book and loving it like that. I am, I am truly, truly amazed and just so happy. You guys have no idea how happy you made me. Um, but so as 
per usual, if you have um, any questions, comments, want my opinion on anything, um, or if there's even a cryptid or a myth you'd like to know more about uh, that's based in Vermont, uh, please feel free to leave a comment, send me an email via the podcast website, which is October's Paranormal Podcast wordpress.com and I will uh, answer any of the comments in um, another podcast and until the next podcast thank you so so much for joining me and have a wonderful evening